Baby, I'm a gangster too, and it takes me to tango. You don't wanna mess with me, mess with me. Baby, I'm a gangster too. <laughs> Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Don't fuck with me, fellas! This ain't my first time at the rodeo. Hello, welcome back to the show. Today, Drew Misson joins us from your Missing the Point podcast, and we will be exposing the occult nature within the symbolism and design of the Hoover Dam. This is a subject I had not heard many podcasters covering, and I thought it was about damn time. (laughs) So, this was a really cool one. I appreciate Drew for joining me. I think it's very interesting, and I hope you do too. Of course, the full version of this episode is available on Patreon only. So, to check out the full episode, please check into Room 237 by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you over to the Patreon where you, yes you, can enjoy Full versions of episodes, bonus content, you name it. It's all there in room 237, including the full version of this episode, The Hoover Damned. I hope to see you over there. Let's get right to the episode. All right, everyone, we have the one and only Drew Misson from Your Missing the Point podcast joining us, and uh, I felt like he was the only guest who could do this topic justice, and we've joined together for many episodes, and this one's going to be fire, as all of them have been so far, but before we get into it, Drew, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Julia. I'm heading into our summer over here. It's Still our autumn, but starting to heat up, which is, it's good for the plants. They're uh, starting to grow in and get a lot of fruits and everything come through, which is fantastic. So my Mm -hmm. little life outside of podcasting is going well, getting a lot of my crops in and it's good to be more self-sufficient. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that it's it's starting to become summer for you and I'm like breaking out my turtlenecks and... (laughs) my my big heavy jackets it's it's so interesting and i i would love to get someone with the flat earth thing to come on and explain it to me like why the seasons are the way that they are you know what i mean like on the flat earth yeah how does it 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 doesn't quite make sense but it does if you think about concentric rings maybe that way but the seasons thing has always been a a contentious issue that I don't think there's a hundred percent answer that can justify it on the flight. No, I know. Right. But 
before we tangent off into like a whole another <laughs> another episode, uh, I contacted you because I've had something on my mind lately that I really haven't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really haven't heard a lot of people talk about this subject. And it's the um the Hoover Dam, but I believe that the Hoover Dam holds back more sinister things than just the force of the Colorado River. What what are you what were your thoughts going into this? Um the Hoover Dam's got a lot of surface level almost like sandbox conspiracy theory around it. Mm-hmm. Uh that's I went into knowing a little bit about it from an an outside perspective. Like I think Americans probably got a bit more on it since it's in your own backyard. But I tried to connect it with a similar dam that's in Australia, the Snowy um, River Mountain Scheme, which is Australia's largest engineering feat. We don't have as many on the nose conspiracies around it, but I think it connects to the Hoover Dam on a bit more of an esoteric and spiritual level than. Than what a lot of other people would would assume. So I've got a few little notes about it. It's not enough to justify its own episode. I know we spoke about possibly doing the Hoover Dam and the Snowy River, but I think it complements this really well. So what I did find was pretty interesting. Um, and it'd be I'm really keen to see what you saw over what what I investigated. I am interested in that too because we've talked a lot about how there are mountains, sacred mountains. And burial sites, the, like the mound builders, and there is naturally occurring places around the world that I feel could be portals to the fallen angel um, energy coming in and out, something like that. Because all around the world, there are naturally formed archways in the rocks and in the mountains and you wonder how did this doorway get here or why is this archway here and then there's of course man-made archways and man-made what you would say is a doorway or a portal and on the surface it's just a dam but is it just a dam and when you look at the pictures of this place it just pops off right off the top to me as there's something more to this did you google image some of these pictures of of the hoover dam yeah this is the thing that i'm talking about that it has over our own dam complex is that you guys have got these really weird almost like nephilim statues all over this thing and it looks very um esoteric in some of the pillars and things that are there whereas the australian one is very much just a dam it's there as a hydroelectric generator but This one seems to be very rich in symbolism. Oh, totally. And I actually found it, and I'm going to talk to another guest about this in more detail, but you'll never believe how this subject came into my uh, viewpoint was from an episode of Ghost Adventures. And um, the, the host of Ghost Adventures was asked to come to the Hoover Dam because it's so haunted, quote unquote. But we know that most of the hauntings are not really deceased workers that fell into the dam as it was being built. That it's actually probably channeling in some other type of energy there. And that's what people are misconstruing as being a haunting. But the interviews of the workers who work there say oh yeah that we catch people all the time trying to do rituals up here we catch people all the time um making sacrifices and doing all this stuff 
at the Hoover Dam. Then you start adding the pieces up and you're like, okay, of course there's something more to this. But um, it's kind of like what you said in the beginning, though. People have speculated for decades that the Hoover Dam is a part of a much larger prophecy, actually, um, that signals the end of the world. I don't know if you read anything about that. Um, I actually, I've been deep diving a bit of the Quran lately, just trying to wrap my head around. I've read the Torah. I've read the Talmud. So I'm deep diving on what is considered the newest version of Abrahamic religion, right? Just trying mm -hmm. to conceptualize their understanding of their faith and see what connections there are with Christianity and how it applies to today. There's actually a lot of links in the Quran with two dams and two dams being the prophecy for allowing the Nephilim or demons to enter our world. And I think the Hoover Dam is one of them. What do you think the other one is? I can't say. I think it's either going to be, it may not necessarily be a dam as we understand it, but a dam is something that holds back energy or. Like a spiritual holds... dam. Yes. And I think that might be CERN. Ooh, so I think there's a connection shit. between CERN and, and the uh, Hoover Dam. Why did I just get chills when you said that? I mean, that's got to be it. Because when you look, and we're going to get into it, but when you're looking at just the architecture that's present there, it's totally obvious to me that there was either an occultist who came up with the architecture or they put it there for a specific reason. And some of the conspiracy theories around the Hoover Dam are uh, about the bodies that are trapped inside the dam itself. Um, and they signal that this was some kind of like a sacrifice um, to welcome the coming of the Antichrist. You know, the, the amount of bodies, they say, that went into the Hoover Dam is actually kind of crazy. Yeah, it's anywhere between 96 and 112, I do believe. Mm -hmm. So the urban legend goes that because the rate at which they had to constantly pour the concrete to keep it structurally sound. They couldn't do it in levels. They had to have it one solid piece. When they were pouring it so quickly, if anyone fell into it, they didn't have time to get them out, so they just kept pouring on top of them. Think about that. Yeah, they, they say the same thing about our Snowy Hydro Dam, that when they were pouring that, similar things happened. And there's a, a bit of a saying in our country about it that our snowy dam is called the Greco-Roman construct because so many um, Greek and Italian workers immigrated to Australia and put on that concreting job and X amount of them fell in. So it becomes the Greco-Roman construct because there's oh, the bodies of Greeks and Romans in there. Really? Out of all the ways to die, I've always said drowning, uh, like in deep, dark water or being buried alive. And that is being buried alive, but to to the extreme of if you're buried alive in the ground, you can live for a little bit until you run out of oxygen. You're getting concrete poured <laughs> on top of you. Can, is there a worse way to die? And you're reaching for help and they're like, sorry, buddy, I'm, I, I gotta keep going. And they just keep pouring concrete on top of you. Like That is horrible. It's such a horrific thing to think about. And you have to think, are those people's spirits trapped within the walls of that concrete? Because mm -hmm. we look at what First Nations have to say about mountains and rocky outcrops. 
that they can they contain the spirits of say elves or gnomes or all sorts of creatures that stone in itself has this capacity to hold spirits or demons or whatever you'd like to call it well one of the major ingredients in concrete in this country at least is bluestone and bluestone is has a high quartz content in it so it has mm. a crystalline structure and what mm. do we know from the esoteric things can be trapped within crystals so have these poor bastards that are in these um the fallen in had they had a chance to escape or are they perpetually trapped inside with their spirits their spirit is trapped inside the courts wow so i guess that would that would make sense for people saying that it's haunted in a sense because 112 you know some of them died from a shitty respiratory like disorders pneumonia and they said that it was uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Yeah, that was one of the surface level conspiracies I saw. It was more so a conspiracy around um, the health and safety of the project. They were ignoring and they, to this day, still ignore that there was carbon monoxide poisoning and where it came from. I'm I'm not, I'm actually not going to go with carbon monoxide poisoning. I think that was a cover for uh, something else. Um, I think it was a cursed project. And so this this whole they they died of different in my one of the articles I read it just said died of different ailments including pneumonia, but it wasn't like limited to pneumonia. So people were just getting sick and dying trying to work there. And I think it was, uh, actually a cursed project from the very beginning. And if we're gonna start at the beginning, I actually want to just for a moment talk about who the original inhabitants of this area, who they were. Um, did you find anything on that, though, before I start rattling off? I didn't find that. I wanted the American in the room to help educate me on who the First Nations were. <laughs> I, I deep-dived the the local inhabitants of our Snowy River complex because it's actually one of my local tribes who I've got connections with. So I've got okay. some information on that. But I'd love to hear what you found on, on the Native Americans and what significance that plays. Uh, so after I uh, kind of talked to you a little bit about uh, this region near the Hoover Dam, I'd love for you to share more about the the um, the natives close to your dam because I think it it could actually go hand in hand with the whole cursed thing because it was native land and um, the the town outside of the Hoover Dam. The land shows signs of human occupation as early as 8,000 BC, and history will tell you it was the ancient Pueblans, also known as the Anasazi. But I believe it probably goes back to a people even more ancient than the Pueblans because of the architecture in that area. So I have done... Uh, several episodes on these ancient structures and these ziggurats and the pyramids and all of these places. It cannot just be that an ancient people knew how to build all this stuff, then disappeared off the face of the planet, and no one's been able to recreate it since. I think that there was actually a more ancient um, race of peoples, including Nephilim-type beings, that helped build these structures and there are houses that are built in this area surrounding the Hoover Dam that have 20 to 100 rooms in them. 
And they're claiming that it's these hunter-gatherer, like, sticks and clay pots, uh, Pueblans or whatever, the Anasazi, that created all this. But there's no, there's no way. And they actually say uh, this, this town with all these ruins on it, these 20 to 100 rooms and, and just one building, they call it the Lost City, um, the Pueblo Grande, Nevada is called the Lost City um, because the occupants actually disappeared. And they yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. The Pueblo, so- the Pueblo Indians and the Anasazi are considered to be a cursed people by a lot of the modern tribes. That yes. They up and disappeared overnight. A lot like what you would see with the Inca or the Omec in or, South or America. Or like they the Mayans or, or. Yeah. So this is the area where they're wanting to build this Hoover Dam. And it's just a few miles. Well, did they from... walk? Did they walk through a natural portal, Julia? And is that why the but dam that's is why there? Why you'd want to build a fucking dam there, right? Of course, you'd want to build a dam there. But okay, go on and tell me a little bit about your side of things. All right, um, I'll give you some context around the Snowy River and then the Aboriginal links. So. The Snowy River Scheme, the Snowy River Mountain Scheme, as it's known by, or the Snowy Hydro, is a hydroelectric and irrigation complex in the southeast of Australia, near the border of New South Wales and Victoria, my home state. The scheme consists of 16 major dams, not just one, 16, nine power stations, two pumping stations, and 225 kilometres, or 140 miles, of tunnels, pipelines, and aqueducts that were constructed between 1949 and 74. The scheme was complete was completed under the supervision of a chief, chief engineer, Sir William Hudson, uh, and is the largest project undertaken in Australian engineering feats. The you water know, of the snow. Uh, anything more about Chief Hudson? Um, I'm doing a bit of a deep dive on him at the moment, so I'll release that probably later on. So keep okay, you got to update open. me later on. I chief, will. chief Hudson. Uh, the the water of the snowy river and some of its um, riverways much of which are formerly flowed into the river flats of east gippsland which is my region of victoria and then into bass strait are captured at high elevation so it runs down and builds up speed and momentum that's how they're harnessing the energy this directly impacted the natural flora and the environment of my region of australia when settlers first arrived this was entirely a a floodplain a swamp type of era Soon as they put this in place and built it, they almost geoengineered the entire area. It became mm. habitable for crops, um, for cattle, which they couldn't do before. So it's almost like by doing this, they've changed the environment. Now, for Aboriginal people, the mountains are very old and an ongoing life force that strengthens the ancestral link of their people. They have a living spiritual connection with the mountains. They retain family stories and memories of the mountains, which makes them spiritually and culturally significant to them. The traditional owners that have links to the river, river Snowy River Mountain include the Gunna Kurnai, my local mob, uh, the Monero Nagario, and the Bindawal people. The river is associated with systems and land significant to cultural values and includes functional and spiritual connectivity and pathways. In First Nations culture, we have a little thing called song lines. So song lines are almost like a pathway that supposedly only First Nations people, if they're trained and adept in it, can see it. It's like an imaginary line, like if you've ever seen the movie um, Dreamcatcher, you mm-hmm. have a guy has the power and he can see the line. Yes. That's how Aboriginal people would track their way between nations and around the country. Supposedly, 
this dam is built on one of those pathways, one of those song lines. So it's like a ley line kind of. So, so it's kind of like a ley line. Like a spiritual ley line. Yes, that connects people from country to country. So this essentially has either put a, a stop in the way of that song line or is or it's blocking and harnessing the power from that song line, just as it harnesses Ooh. the water in the dam. That's probably more likely they're harnessing that energy. That's crazy. And it, like I said before, they're invading this like sacred area. It's how hard, like a big energy plant they got to put in these sacred, sacred areas. Absolutely. And within Victoria, um, we have what are water spirits known as bunyips. And bunyips were these devil spirits that would abduct women, use hypnotizing powers and eat them, all sorts of things. They were always seen by First Nations people throughout their 65,000-year history. They they tell them as they're real physical beings, they've killed them before. There's some association with settlers that saw them in the early 1800s. Then all of a sudden it stopped, almost as if by damming the snowy, it prevented water from flowing into their natural inhabitants. Like my entire area here, there are paddocks from paddocks that have deep billabongs, which used to be filled with water, in which these creatures would reside they used to live in so there's a natural demonic entity or evil spirit in aboriginal folklore that exists within waterways of my state and if that's been mm. plugged and stopped they're not getting the essential need that they have to dwell in their environment oh my gosh so there's always an underlining spiritual aspect to all of these projects and the location the people and you know, say what you will about folklore. I believe there's a little bit of truth in folklore, whether it's been uh, kind of dramatized over time or not. I don't think it's necessarily metaphorical. Like, well, there was a creature who lived and then it was abducting. And there's probably some truth to that. And I think that so kind of going on the same these same lines, um, there's a there's a nearby city next to the the lost city and it's uh, St. Thomas, Nevada and was this a at, Mormon settlement? Yes. Think about okay, wait till I tell you. It's totally fucked up. So um St. Thomas, Nevada noticed that as the Hoover Dam began to rise, so did the waters of Lake Mead. So government officials supposedly told everyone that they had to evacuate the city in 1935. Um, And when construction of the Hoover Dam ended and Lake Mead had settled, the town of St. Thomas was 60 feet underwater and no one ever verified to make sure the entire town evacuated. And most of the ruins of these ancient structures were also submerged but fun fact saint thomas as you were saying was founded by mormons and it was these same mormons that actually go to the pyramids erected to quetzalcoatl in mexico and they walk them so is that a coincidence well there's a very big link in the early Mormon church and making connections with native American tribes. It's like they were going out and speaking with all the tribal leaders and the shamans trying to find out all the esoteric knowledge they possibly could before they oh. were wiped out. 
So there was a lawyer, as a lawyer, and ironically, I think his surname was Thomas, and he was a Mormon lawyer, and he actually advocated for the rights of First Nations peoples, but I don't think it was as one-sided and and, um, empathetic as he makes out. I think he was trying to get the inside knowledge and the, the Gnostic type of understanding of what was going on with them. I think so, too, which... We were just talking about the Anasazi and the Mayans and these people who disappeared. And this Mormon, I don't know what you would call it, settlement, wants to be right next to the lost city where these Native American people just up and disappeared. And they're the same ones that go to where? Fucking the pyramids in Cholula, Mexico. And freaking, they walk those pyramids. And I'm pretty sure... The Aztecs, and people talk shit about me for bringing this up, but the Aztecs <laughs> uh, eventually um, kind of just assumed the structures that were already existing there as their own, but they didn't actually build those structures that are there. They just kind of took credit for them later, the the big pyramids and, and all of that. But uh, yeah, they just I, moved I think in and took over. Right. I think that that is connected because there was a more ancient people like the Anasazi that built the lost city and uh, the Mormons want to be around this. And somehow we end up building a huge power plant around them. So it has to be connected. Yeah, it's the idea that not only is it going into a place that has significant reverence for First Nations people, potentially is an energetic um, ley line area or uh, culturally um, and spiritually significant place that they may be tapping into, but you need to think about the context of water in itself. And I'll mm-hmm. I'll go through this if you don't mind. The yeah. act of damming a major river or waterway in itself is about generating power. So it's hydroelectric through the act of damming a river and letting the water run through. That's an act of generating power. We know that. That's the science behind it. But it goes a little bit further. This doesn't only occur in hydroelectric. It happens in steam. So we saw it in the older technology of steam generators. We see it in um, coal-fired plants with the steam stacks. That's how it generates power. It's still water that's being used. And then we look at what the the concepts for water generation and heavy water are. Like how many times do we hear about the Nazis had cars that would run on water? And there's people in America who have been uh, suicided for their cars that run on water. So water (laughs) in itself isn't just a life-sustaining force. It's an energetic force that can be harnessed. So harnessing the power of nature and subduing it through technological and scientific prowess seems to be in line with the satanic agenda. It's that Gnostic view of having all the knowledge to use everything in this realm to your benefit. But it gets a little bit more esoteric than that. Water in many ways, as I said, is a life force. Without it, every living thing on this planet would die. It not only generates power through hydroelectric, but it generates life through the way we grow our crops and we quench our thirst. Look at species of desert fish, frogs, and other creatures that bury themselves in the mud or their eggs during the drying season. What happens when it rains? It brings these things back to life. Mm -hmm. Water is the catalyst for life with these things. Now, if we go into the metaphysical side of this, if you look at biblical scriptures, some angels were given dominion over certain elements, the air, the water, the earth, and fire. Gabriel, the archangel, he oversees the element of water. And water is a symbol of clarity, purity, and receptiveness to God's message. So if we think Ooh. about this as a satanic agenda and the inversion, they would want to use one of his most powerful elements for their own purposes. 
Now, if one angel can inhabit it, the realm of water or have dominion over it, how many fallen angels are a part of that? Mm. Not are they only trapped within the earth, as a lot of uh, the fallen are supposedly kept in. They are trapped below water. There's supposedly three specific fallen angels that are below the Euphrates that can't get out until it dries out. Maybe the same can be said for the water that's in the, the Hoover Dam or it's it, just an energy source for these things. I hear that the Euphrates drying up is, is you know, one of the go time prophecies, but, you know, the Hoover Dam is in a drought right now as well. So it's just, it's mind blowing to me how it, it really is kind of fulfilling a prophecy, if you will. And damning the water like that is like, it's damning your, the spiritual connection that we had. And it's crazy because this Lake Mead, um, with this drought that's coming in, when the waters started receding, they actually found, um, like bodies, like human remains all over the place. And, um, let me see. I wrote something about it here. So this is this area around Lake Mead where they found all these bodies now that the water is kind of receding. They claim this area is haunted too and that it's energetically charged from the Hoover Dam and it's led to uh, sightings of shape-shifting creatures all up and down Lake Mead. And um, even the park rangers are saying they won't work at night around Lake Mead because they're seeing things that look like people that change into animal form. And what have we said so many fucking times about these shape-shifting creatures? And, like, fallen angels have shape-shifting capabilities. These demonic beings have shape-shifting capabilities. But also, as you were saying... If Gabriel has dominion over the water and there is an opposing um, evil entity that has some type of connection to water and they've built this place in a sacred area, who's to say that they're not like running rampant in this area? Well, it would become an demons. I mean, it would become like a homing beacon for like the other world, wouldn't it? Because we've got this yeah. significance of the First Nations people their natural energies and things that they believe. That's why it's significant. On top of that, all the natural energy that would come from water flowing through that place would be dissipated over hundreds of thousands of miles. By mm -hmm. damming it, you're concentrating all that energy to one centralized source. So it's a double up of energy. You've got the traditional energies and the energies from nature in itself of the, the, of the water building up. So it mm -hmm. would be like a beacon, like a lamp attracting a moth to a flame type of an idea. Oh my God, you're so right. It's a it's a home base. That's that makes so much sense. Um, and there are actually railroad tunnels that were used when the dam was being constructed that people can go and explore, but they all have very interesting names. They've named these tunnels, and they all they all have names like Devil's Cove. And I mean, can we, I mean, it's so obvious to me, but so in this area, there are documented reports from the National Park Service of a guy that was living in a tent or a hut or something. And he had all these occult symbols drawn all over his tent. 
and he would just walk around speaking in other languages and his eyes were totally blacked out. It was the scariest shit ever, I guess. And um, he was actually killed because he attacked a park ranger with a knife and he was living in this area next to this Devil's Cove tunnel, which again, I feel like it, it almost draws those type of people in. If you're already kind of mentally not there and uh, you're susceptible to to being under control of one of these energies, of course, you, you would set your tent up over next to the Devil's Cove and freaking try to stab somebody and shit. That, and this is a real story. I, I'm not just... Oh, they think there was a homeless, there is a legitimate homeless guy that was mumbling in other languages, drawing occult symbols all over his tent, trying to stab a motherfucker. Is it related? Probably. In that connection, have you heard of Matthew Wright? Mm-mm. So Matthew Wright was a, a QAnon follower. Um, and I believe it was in 2019. He kind of went off the reservation, like the advent of COVID and people deep diving. Mm. I think he went down a rabbit hole a little bit too deep and kind of smushed his own brains with all the information he was getting. Um, He was a self-motivated conspiracy theorist, air quotes. He blocked the QAnon dam with his own self-made armored vehicle and was guilty of making terrorist threats. Now, supposedly... He thought that that place, the Hoover Dam, was used for demonic entities as a portal. And he was charged. And I think he faced something like 10 years with uh, felony crimes, terrorism. Um, and he was facing someone to its a decade or two decades in prison for doing that. You're kidding me. No. So this guy, through his research, felt pretty adamant that he had to do something about it to the point where he armoured his car got all his weapons, and went to Hoover Dam to try and do something about it. Are you serious? And there you go. He pleaded guilty for terrorism charges as well and felony crimes. So he went- Two decades in prison. He took the conspiracy too far because I'm not driving in an armored vehicle anywhere and blocking off anything because I love my life. But he went and dove too far down the rabbit hole on some shit, and he was probably already mentally unstable. Yeah. But it, it doesn't surprise me that he would have felt so strongly about it, to be honest well, I- with you. Like, some of the stuff that I've found, I'm like, geez, like, why is it more, why aren't more people talking about it? I really have not heard a podcaster cover it before. I think it's very almost early 90s conspiracy theory, and it tends to go through waves. People talk, spoke about it a lot back then. A little bit maybe came up during COVID, which this guy hooked onto. But at the moment, I can't get the vision out of my head of you, Julia, in a peach-coloured killdozer <laughs> driving up to the Hoover Dam. <laughs> With a fucking sign. This is demonic. This is demonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No. But I think there's a lot to be said about how if you're mentally unstable, you can go to the dark side with conspiracy like that. I enjoy bringing it to everyone's attention, but I think it's on such a massive scale and, and it's all governmenty and all. There, Nobody's going to stop anything from happening. They've already been doing it for fucking decades. Why? Like, you think you're going to go in an armored car and stop decades worth of, you know, 
if you go on Reddit and you look up Hoover Dam, they're talking about harvesting adrenochrome in the tunnels beneath the Hoover Dam. They're talking about sacrifices going on at the Hoover Dam. I don't have proof of it, but it wouldn't surprise me. What I do have proof of, though, is the ritualistic nature of the placement of it, the timing of it, events that occurred before and after it, the architecture, those are things that I can solidify and tell you, yes, that's so cold in nature. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's how far do you take on board the theories of this? And I think the problem that critical thinkers, as we like to call ourselves, is sometimes we latch onto something without actually thinking critically about it. We like the way it presents information to us. It ticks a lot of conspiracy boxes for us. But until we look at it critically ourselves, sometimes we can just run away with things. When Mm. the most obvious part is the architecture on this, the architecture in itself, it could just be the symbolism is there to harness our our loose, our energy. And that's Mm -hmm. all it could be. But people, people run down the whole idea that they're, they're selling children underneath in the tunnels and, you know, there's reptilians that live under there. You can go to an extreme with this, but sometimes mm-hmm. it can be more nefarious just being very subtle and in your face. Yeah, and I I think that what, what the real problem for me is if this thing ever breaks for any reason, I think that that in itself is actually signaling prophecy. And I think it's more it's more prophetic that they built it in this way, in these conditions, and what may happen in the future, rather than something that's happening right now, if that makes sense. Well, there's a shelf life on concrete. People think concrete is this wonderful building um, resource that will last forever, but you only have to look at as something as small as a footpath and realize that over time with rain, with traffic, it degrades over time a concrete barrier to one of the strongest natural flows of um, energy being water, one of the strongest elements there is, it's not going to last forever if it's not maintained perfectly. And we know through just governments in themselves, they waste money, they're not very good at their job. This dam at some point is going to have a catastrophic failure. And will that failure manifest something coming into this world? That's where you get into into the weeds on this one. Oh yeah, we're just getting to the good part. Head on over to the Cosmic Peach Patreon and make your reservation to enjoy the rest of this episode. The subscription is called Room 237. What's in Room 237? Thanks for asking, Danny. Let me show you something. Room 237 is an all-inclusive resort, if you will. There's no levels to this shit. If you subscribe, you get it all. Bonus content, extended versions of episodes, early access to all episodes, sneak peeks, behind the scenes content, video episodes, and whatever else I'm in the mood for. There are plenty of amenities to enjoy while checked in to room 237. Take a trip up the Sidewinder and stay a while check out anytime but don't forget to stop by from time to time and visit your favorite caretaker thank you in advance for supporting the show and i can't wait to see you over there